Jones. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at today. We know it is uh, pre I almost said pre-report day, Mike. It is the pre-signing day with China. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about bird flu issues, not only in China, but in Hungary as well. And a lot of other factors that are filtering in to make the markets trade like what we saw today. And you just heard me mention them. Mike Zuzlo is joining us today with Global Commodity Analytics. And a lot of excitement leading into tomorrow's. The big question is the when, and definitely it sounds like it's going to happen. Yeah, and you know the rumor mill right now coming from a pretty decent source I have, Susan is suggesting to me that we probably are going to see it between noon and 1 o'clock central time. So it could very well be uh, something that we see before the market closes and even early enough before the market closes that we actually get some details as to the all big question that the market is just waiting for an answer on and that is to how fast do the walls of tariff rates come down or not come down there have been so many stories uh, being pushed out about brazil selling beans to china china buying extra beans from brazil but then the official arm of china's bean um, supply demand leg kofco is turning back around in some reports to let go of those same beans uh, to make room for increased U.S. supplies. And all the while, we had fresh uh, import-export news on Monday night, Tuesday morning from China. Uh, copper imports were very strong, which was a very good sign. Uh, that also took the copper up to an eight-month high. Uh, we saw the actual soybean imports overall come in very strong as well. Um, we're talking about pork demand now that is, is starting to show some of the numbers that you and I have been talking about since last summer. The data showed a four, almost a four-fold increase in the December uh, imports versus uh, the November uh, the 19 imports. And the 2019 imports as a whole for pork imports into China was up 75% at 2.1 million tons. And so a question I've been asked a lot by clients in the hog industry this past few weeks has been how much does china need as far as pork to be able to fill the void of loss of because of african swine fever some of the chinese uh sources that i work with and have would suggest it could be upwards of 10 million tons so just to give you an idea we we just saw china take on over 2 million tons this past year which was a 75 percent jump from 2018 10 million tons would be five-fold that amount. So we're talking about numbers that are very hard, as we've talked about, to get our hands around. Well, you look at all that information, and we know that, um, and obviously details will be forthcoming as tomorrow and, and the days after buildup, but you look at that 40 to, to 50 billion that they're talking about, that is a large number that we haven't in past history seen China make. No, that's exactly right, and you and I talked about this last week with the ethanol and the, the talk and the rumor that the Chinese were going to pull back on their ethanol mandate increase. That just spiked the fever that the 40 to $50 billion in two consecutive years of agriculture, U.S. agriculture purchase was not going to happen. And so you throw on top of that some improving weather in Brazil, and you throw on top of that some pretty strong, uh, I had some pretty strong uh, colleagues uh, strongly affiliated and, and well-placed colleagues in Chicago send me some information today about uh, Brazil and their farmers even starting to sell unplanted beans uh, 
at this point and get the hedges out in terms of cash hedges uh, sent out by some of the major Brazilian uh, manufacturers and, and exporters. And so you have so much uncertainty. We're hoping that as we get tomorrow's signage, we also get some specific uh, trade data as far as what the import levels are going to be. And I was, I think one of the big reasons why the hog market in particular continued to go lower after we heard that China was lowering their import barriers about a week or so ago, it was because they only lowered it from 72% to about 58%. So it wasn't that much. And I think that really caught the trade by surprise and made him feel like, well, that 40 to $50 billion is going to be very hard to make if they don't lower the tariff number even more. You talked about South America, and uh, the Brazilian real got some decent balance today, but it's still cheaper versus the dollar. What does that mean for our exports? Well, I think normally it would be an issue, but we have to realize that as a result of the African swine fever, the beef sales to China from Australia have been amazing. The Beef sales to China from Brazil have been amazing, and I can tell you that the corn price uh, in Brazil right now, in terms of an export price in a very key uh, area that they would ship out of, very uh, a cost-effective area that they would ship out of, is about $185 a ton. That compares to us being below 180, closer to about $178 a ton. Uh, what this says to me, Susan, is, is that you don't really have a lot of competition. Why? Because those extra beef exports to China out of Brazil um, have also created a situation where the livestock industry in that country is really ramping up. And it wasn't too long ago I was starting to hear that the livestock uh, demand was going to be strong enough that uh, livestock suppliers or uh, producers, ranchers, may have even a hard time sourcing corn, especially if Argentina, which is one of their major suppliers other than their domestic market, if Argentina has any hiccups in their corn production. And that's a very real possibility. So I think this is where we're because of the ripple effects being so big from African swine fever across all protein sectors, um, I think 2020 really does look quite a bit different than 2019, and we kind of touched on that last week as well. But roughly, what, 2% of their corn crop has been harvested in Brazil as of this yes, point? exactly right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue. We will talk more about the bird flu, what they're seeing in China, in Hungary as well. We'll take a full look at what's happening on the livestock side as well. It's kind of a day getting prepped for tomorrow signing with China. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Authoritative and dependable. That's KRVN News. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Greater Nebraska's biggest newsroom brings you local and regional news on the half hour. I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News at the top and breaking news on demand. From the Rural Radio Network, I'm Tyler Cavalli. Program 880 in every car, at work or at home, or listen all day online at krvn.com or by downloading our free KRVN app. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Suzalo continues to join us as we look at the wheat side of the trade before we jump into livestock. I know that there has been some cold threats, especially when you look at um, not only here in the U.S., but in Russia as well. What are you hearing when it comes to this year's global wheat crop? Yeah, Ukraine and Eastern Europe and, and 
getting a little bit into Russia, Susan, there is definitely some dry weather there. I would say that their pattern has been very similar to what we've experienced in the weak countries of eastern Colorado and uh, Kansas, um, maybe less so in Nebraska because I think you folks have gotten a little bit more precipitation. But it's been very warm, and now it's uh, starting to turn to look maybe a little bit colder. Uh, and that's where we're a little bit ahead of them. So there are some vulnerable areas, and I think this goes really nicely dovetails into the USDA report last week with the winter wheat acres being the second smallest on record. And what I wrote to clients and what I'm talking about in my 2020 seminars and webinars is the idea that a major difference between what 2020 looks like versus what we've had the last five years is a U.S. wheat balance sheet that is tight enough on ending stocks, meaning sub 800 million bushels is what I'd be putting it at right now. Um, if that's correct, that's tight enough where the wheat is no longer a feed grain, and that really takes a lot of pressure off of the corn in a year where we're heading towards another record production of red meat, of both beef and poultry, beef and, uh, and pork combined. And so this is a major feature that I think the protein markets, as we talked about last week, could give a real boost in terms of a demand-led boost to the corn market specifically because of a smaller wheat crop. And then you throw on top of that east of the Mississippi River a substantial issue with test weight corn being well below 50 pounds in many parts of Illinois and some parts of Indiana and Ohio. And so I think you've got a real demand play brewing as long as we keep the peace on the trade front. Looking at, as we go to the livestock side and we talk about China, we know that it was found in swans in China, Hungary, it was found in turkeys, and we're talking bird flu once again, two areas that can't afford to lose that food source. No, you're right, and this is where at some point in time in 2020, you're going to have a situation that even with a, if the Chinese don't lower the import barriers on pork, for the United States and keeps it at near 60% like it is right now, at some point even that will be cheaper than anything else you can get would be my feeling. And I think uh, a really big piece of the puzzle came out with the uh, revenues and the earnings of New Hope, which is one of China's largest pig producers. Uh, while it saw its uh, annual slaughter decline year over year, the hog segment of its revenue went up more than 45%. And they're not alone in that. And so you're seeing a, an immense return to profitability in a country that has a, a record loss in supplies. And so they have the incentive to, to, to produce again. That's very good for the bean and meal demand. But by the same token, in the short term, they can only br uh, raise those numbers so much so fast in a certain amount of time. Looking at the, the hog numbers and trying to kind of reestablish their markets in China, hopefully with a signing tomorrow, that'll mean some more um, export-import opportunities? Yeah, I think so, Susan. If you take a step back, you've got Japan and the beef trade deal. You've, you will then have the U.S.-China Phase 1 trade deal, and the Senate has now said this week that they maybe could even get to USMCA next week if they shut the trial in within a week on the impeachment process. All of a sudden, you're looking at three of the biggest issues of 2019 being completely wiped off the concern list for the commodity sector. And I think this is where if you haven't gotten any kind of a trial or a short-term subscription from me, this may be the time to do it because there's a lot going on. And I try and streamline the information to make it as the highest priority things 
the first things that you read or the first things you you hear or you see on the webinar. I think it's a really important time to keep your head up and stay very engaged on the marketing side because 2020 could be one of those years where we have a lot of great news the first half of the year and then we kind of have to reevaluate everything the second half of the year depending on how well the African swine fever was contained in China and some of these trade agreements, whether they hold together or not. And finally, as we look at the cattle market, what are your thoughts when it comes to some short-term technicals for them? Yeah, I felt like the May feeders hitting $150. You know, I've been doing this 25 years now for in 2020, and whenever I see $150 May feeders, it starts to ring my alarm bell that maybe we're getting overdone. And indeed, on the daily charts, if we follow through tomorrow, I do see a sell signal on the stochastics, which is a pretty reliable uh, 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 technical indicator and oscillator to kind of suggest whether there's new buyers coming in or not. So keep an eye on those feeders. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best ways to go to globalanalytics.biz, sign up for the uh, six-month trial. It's 25% off a normal price. Uh, otherwise, call me toll-free, 866-471-2588 if you have any kind of specific question. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much. Mike Zuzula joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.